of the Congressional Western Caucus podcast, A Voice for Rural America. I'm Chairman Dan Newhouse. Thank you for listening. This week, we are celebrating National Clean Energy Week, uh, highlighting different types of clean energy technologies and the work being done by members of the Congressional Western Caucus to advance those technologies in their districts as well as across the country. I'm delighted to have two special guests with me today. First, my friend and colleague, one of the easternmost members of the Congressional Western Caucus, Representative Jeff Duncan of the South Carolina's third, I believe, third congressional district. And then also we have the president and the CEO of the United States Nuclear Industry Council, Mr. Bud Albright. So welcome <coughs> to you both. I want to thank you for being on. Any comments you'd like to make before we get going, gentlemen? Jeff? Yeah, um, first, thanks for having me, Dan. And uh, I'm thrilled to be here with my friend, uh, Bud Albright. I've known a long time. And, you know, I'm a supporter of all the above energy approach. And that includes clean energy technologies. And you really can't have a conversation about clean energy without mentioning nuclear power. You know, it accounts for over 50% of our carbon-free energy in the United States and over 95% of South Carolina's carbon-free electric energy. Um, unlike other intermittent sources, nuclear is the only carbon-free source that is available for 24 7 365 base load power supplies. So that's one of the reasons I support it. And uh, thanks for having me again. Thank you, Jeff. Mr. Albright, welcome. Hi. It, thank you very much. It's Bud, please. Okay. Chairman. You've got <laughs> Yeah, I, you know, uh, Congressman Duncan put it very well. Just to, to sum it up, I guess, a bit, nuclear is clearly, has clearly proven itself over the last 60 years to be a clean, reliable, safe source of energy. The new technology that's really exciting that's coming along is going to allow even safer, <laughs> literally walk away safe uh, energy production. These are much smaller. They operate under, for the most part, a very low pressure. So we've lots and lots to look forward to in the future. The science has come a long way. And I am particularly appreciative of your leadership, of Congressman Duncan's, and the other members of Congress. I like to say that our, our future with nuclear is going to depend on our willingness from a a public pers uh, perspective, and that's the political as well. Uh, our success is there. It's not in the labs anymore. It's with the public and with the rules as we go forward. So thank you very much for having me. Thank you, bud. Appreciate having you, and you're right. There's some exciting innovations in the nuclear uh, generation of power. That uh, It's a whole new ballgame. Yeah. It's a very, very exciting future. So as I mentioned earlier, this is National Clean Energy Week. We really can't talk about clean energy without talking, talking about nuclear energy. And so I'm excited to have both of you along with us. And when we talk about moving to carbon-free or a lower carbon future, 
certainly nuclear is a critical piece of that puzzle. Nuclear is particularly valuable because Jeff, you were talking about that. It's a, it's a, a baseload resource, meaning that it can provide carbon-free electricity to homes and businesses and industries around the clock. And it accounts for a huge percentage of the electricity generated in the United States, at least 20%. My district is proudly home to the Pacific Northwest only nuclear power plant. And soon, we're very excited about this, we will host the country's first advanced modular nuclear reactor. And something that I think needs to be underscored in discussions like this is that in addition to being safe, clean, affordable, but you talked about that and rely on new developments and opportunities like these translate to hundreds of good paying jobs, stable revenue sources for states and local communities. You know, that's, that's not insignificant. And we need to take that into account as well. So I've got a couple of questions for you, gentlemen, just to get the discussion going. I'll start with you, Jeff, if you don't mind. Yeah. You know, nuclear energy is a leading source of electricity in states like Illinois and Pennsylvania, and your home state of South Carolina, providing low cost and emission-free power for your constituents. Can you tell us more about South Carolina's use and generation of nuclear power compared to other parts of the country and, and why nuclear energy is so popular in your state? Yeah, Dan, and, and let me just add that I'm, um, I'm excited about what's gonna happen out there in Washington state with the advanced nuclear reactor. I'm looking forward to visiting that. Learned a little bit more about it today at lunch, by the way, but South Carolina is a leader in the nuclear industry. There's no doubt about that, both on the commercial side and on the defense side with the Savannah River site. South Carolina has uh, seven nuclear reactors. They make up about 56% of South Carolina's electricity generation and 95% um, of our state's carbon-free electricity. So nuclear energy facilities in South Carolina employ somewhere in the neighborhood of 2,800 people. And in my district, we have Duke Energy and they filed an application with the US Nuclear Regulatory Commission uh, to renew the operating licenses for the Oconee Nuclear Power Plant for an additional 20 years. And, and um, I support those efforts because as we talked about, nuclear power has got to be part of the mix if we talk about clean energy. So I look forward to, uh, to seeing that relicensing uh, take place. Oh, that is significant. Bud, you, you're, you've been a long time advocate of nuclear power. Could, could you share with us a little bit more about your background and, and the role the US Nuclear Industry Council plays in the, the nuclear energy sector? Well, thank you, Mr. Chairman. After uh, spending the first half of my career as a federal prosecutor and in and out of the Department of Justice, I sort of moved into the energy area with the, with the Chairman, the Chief Oversight Council at Energy and Commerce Committee. I got interested in it uh, at, at that point as to what was going on in energy. Uh, ultimately, I ran uh, several uh, Washington offices for energy companies and then was staff director on Energy and Commerce Committee. We handled um, all the energy and environmental issues. So it became a, uh, an issue of very much on the forefront for us uh, at Energy and Commerce. Uh, from there, I was asked to be under Secretary of Energy where I really got involved and engaged in the matter. Now at the United States Nuclear Industry Council, we, uh, we are looking at and represent 
the developers and the builders and all the people and industry involved in the new nuclear technology. That is the smaller technology, the modular that you're talking about that's gonna be built in your state, the modular reactors. These are much smaller, much more efficient, operate mo almost all of them either at, at one or two pounds or at atmospheric pressure. So the danger that, uh, although quite remote, but the danger that if not cooled sufficiently, a plant could explode. Um, and, you know, we, we recognize that to be a problem. And the new technology uh, doesn't allow that to happen. And it's walk away safe by uh, literally, if you trust gravity, you can trust the safety these plants by being much smaller they have much broader applications and i would say just one more thing they they operate and this may sound counterintuitive that they're safer yet operate at a higher temperature but the temperature is not under pressure so when you get through making electricity there is energy heat energy left over that is carbon free that can be used to heat buildings it can be used uh, in industrial applications throughout the world. And it, it probably um, most interestingly on all our fronts is uh, can be used to make hydrogen in a car uh, carbon free manner. So I'm really excited about that. Yeah, yeah. Just learning some about that. That's great and appreciate your partnership as well as your, your service as well. Well, thank you, appreciate it. Uh you know, yeah, we're find, all in this together. We all have we role are. to play. That's very true. You know, but I find it interesting. We seem to be at a crossroads somewhat in this country on this issue. On, on one hand, you've got radical environmentalists. You could say that they're working to shut down nuclear plants across the country. And you've got Green New Deal Democrats who refuse to include nuclear in their plans, which is you know, very ridiculous position to have as far as I'm concerned. But then you also have exciting projects spearheaded under administrations of both Democrats and Republicans. So what do you think about the future of nuclear power in the U.S.? Are we, are we moving toward expansion or are we headed towards a shrinkage or a curtailment of the industry? Chairman, I think we're seeing a much uh, broader and richer understanding of the safety, the efficiency, and the need for nuclear power um, among various constituents. It's one of the, as you know, it's one of the uh, uh, more, if not most, uh, bipartisan issues in Congress. Uh, even uh, some of the radical environmentalists, you know, you can old saying they drag a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. Yeah. And I, I really feel a lot of that falls on our shoulders because, you know, we have to convince the horse that the water is safe. And that's our job. And we maybe need to do a better job because if you oppose the new nuclear or any nuclear, if you oppose it for irrational reasons, that's not good for anyone. And we, we do see some of that. On the other hand, environmentalists and others are recognizing that the goals that uh, have been set for reduction of carbon, uh, carbon emissions and uh, carbon in the atmosphere cannot be met, cannot be met 
without nuclear. So uh, I think there's a great future and I think this, this new technology is really going to spell, uh, spell wonderful things for the future. Good. Good. Good, thank you. Jeff, I'd say you're in a unique position to talk about nuclear energy and issues that face the industry. You're a member of the Western Caucus, I'm proud to say that. You're on the Energy and Commerce Committee. You're on Leader McCarthy's Energy, Climate and Conservation Task Force. You're a, a co-chair of the House Energy Action Team, we call HEAT. Um, really been an advocate for the industry and very involved in the policies that are impacting our nation's path to embrace nuclear energy. Could you tell us a little more about the policy ideas that you and some of our colleagues have advocated for to advance nuclear energy production? Yeah, absolutely. One thing I'll point out is uh, last week in the energy and commerce markup of the reconciliation package the Democrats have put forward, we had an amendment uh, dealing with a sense of Congress that nuclear power should be a part of uh, the energy matrix to lower our carbon emissions. And, and that was defeated, which was uh, you know unbelievable to me that we couldn't come together, and, which I, I feel like the, the both parties in the House do uh, agree on this issue, but uh, they defeated the amendment just for, for sure politics. And that was unfortunate. So yeah, I'm, I'm lucky to be in a position where I have a lot of opportunities to advocate for my constituents and the importance of nuclear energy. When Democrats are talking about clean energy, they generally just are referring to wind, solar, hydro, renewable technologies. And these are great. I support all of those as well, um, but they don't have the generation capacity or the reliability that we find in nuclear power. According to the EIA, nuclear has the highest generation capacity factor at 92.5%. Wind is only at a 35.4%. Uh, solar is barely at 25%, a little less than 25%. So I can be a big fan of them, but I, I'm also a big fan of advanced nuclear technologies. We talked about uh, small modular reactors. We heard Bud talk about that. Uh, we're pursuing, pursuing designs that are walk-away safe, which uh, we ought to... Um, really put forward in our messaging. I think we fail when we don't message correctly on nuclear power. Nuclear innovation in the US uh, and the ability to export these technologies uh, will help deliver electricity to millions of people around the world. And with small modular reactors, we can export that. So one thing you can export is renewable energy, but you can export nuclear technology and, and uh, fossil fuels and other things. So uh, the, I think that's one of our best messaging tools, Dan. Uh, as a Western Caucus and as Congress. Well put, I, I agree. That's, uh, that's very, very true. So one of the things we've been talking about in this National Clean Energy Week is the need, the need for permitting and regulatory reform, really streamlining regulations that are in place. Oftentimes you could say regulations are duplicative, uh, unnecessarily burdensome, uh, certainly costly, particularly on these clean energy projects. And those permitting and regulatory costs, they continue to increase. So Mr. Albright, Bud, could you speak to some of those frustrations and the challenges that companies are facing to build or to expand nuclear reactors across the country? Well, you know, all these uh, 
uh, all these agencies are filled with human beings and we human beings tend to do tomorrow what we did yesterday just because it worked and we understand it. I think there's a little too much of that in the uh, regulatory uh, uh, world. Uh, and I take, for instance, uh, the walk away safe plants. We, uh, some of some at the, are a good number at the Nuclear Regulatory Commission seem to want to start with a five mile radius, a safety radius, if, we, if you will, that we had with some of the older uh, high pressure plants. Uh, really makes no sense because the danger, there's no danger really beyond the fence line beyond the uh, uh, property line. So, so getting that, getting the regulatory agencies to recognize that the industry is not trying to skirt safety. We're trying to work together to innovate. But sometimes innovation is hard at the uh, regulatory level. We're doing everything we can. We, uh, we lead any number of efforts and I won't bore you with the regulatory reform numbers and what, whatnot, but we lead a number of efforts to try and better educate uh, the regulators. But that is a frustration. And, you know, it's the, the, the layer upon layer upon layer is as frustrating as any one issue. So I think if we can streamline the uh, layers, that would be good. I would say one thing very positive, we're working very closely with our friends in Canada to uh, harmonize our regulations and we're working around the world too to harmonize our regulations as best we can so that what we build and try to uh, deploy in Canada or in Poland or uh, in the Czech Republic or wherever that, that it's acceptable in their regulatory framework. You know, the physics, the physics is the same everywhere, so it should be easy to get to that. Yeah. Good. Jeff, I understand you've got a bill that would uh, help streamline the environmental review process. Um, tell, tell us a little bit about that bill, and if you see, is it any possibility of it being included in any legislation that passes? Well, yeah, my bill is uh, H.R. 1559, the Modernized Nuclear Reactor Environmental Reviews Act, and you know, it would streamline the environmental review process that Bud talked about for reactors, especially advanced reactors. Um, it specifically directs NRC to evaluate the current environmental review process for reactors and identify areas where there are reasonable options for less burdensome assessments under the uh, National Environmental Policy Act, or NEPA. The bill would also then require the NRC to conduct a rulemaking to implement these more efficient licensing options. And, um, as we continue to strive for cleaner, more reliable energy, we must update the NRC's burdensome environmental review process uh, required for nuclear licensing. And, you know, according to data that's available, the cost of environmental review process has tripled, tripled over the last 10 years. And completion of the process averages about four years, creating a significant barrier to getting the carbon-free nuclear power online as soon as possible. If we want to maintain leadership in the nuclear industry, and I would argue that China is whipping us in this issue, by the way, but if we want to maintain our leadership, we must update our regulations to foster a regulatory environment conducive to nuclear investment. The House Energy and Commerce Committee Republicans 
have a package of energy bills, and this one is included in that. It's aimed at delivering clean, affordable, and reliable energy to Americans. And I'm hopeful that um, if we can take back the House in 2022, we can get these passed in the next Congress. But it'd be nice to see a bipartisan effort to uh, bring nuclear online and streamline our, our regulatory efforts, which my bill does. And so it's common sense. It ought to be bipartisan, and hopefully we can get it done in this Congress. But as you and I both know, um, that, you know, that's that's tough. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, we got to play the long game with this and keep working it. But well, gentlemen, this has been a, a great discussion. It really has, and I want to thank both of you uh, for today, but also for your work advocating for clean energy technologies and and advancing the domestic nuclear energy industry. Um, so before we uh, part ways and give you an opportunity, either of you have any closing thoughts you'd like to impart to our listeners? Yeah, I'll start with that. Um, you know, I mentioned China earlier, and China is looking at a lot of advanced technologies in the nuclear realm. Small modular reactors, modularization is a big part of it, but also molten salt thorium reactors are part of it within uh, the defense with uh, the, the Chinese Navy, but also um, breeder reactors for U-233 and, and things that they need to make all that happen. Um, they're ahead of us in that, and Russia is ahead of us in export and uh, their nuclear technology to other countries that, that want nuclear power brought online. We are the leader. We should be the leader, and we need to reclaim that as the leader, our, our position as leader in the uh, nuclear realm uh, globally. And that's where I hope the United States can get back to. Good. Thank you. Bud? Yeah, I, I would just uh, uh, add to that and, and say, first of all, Congressman Duncan and, and you, uh, Chairman Newhouse, you all, you all are showing the kind of leadership that's necessary. I know uh, on the energy and commerce where most all this legislation is going to have to go through, uh, Congressman Duncan is taking the lead and in, uh, in seeing that it gets through as quickly as possible and that the votes are there and that more importantly, probably that the legislation makes good sense which his legislation uh, certainly, certainly does. I think one of the things that we could spend some time on, and maybe we do another one of these and talk about the national security implications of where we are vis-a-vis uh, -vis Russia and China. I'll leave you with one thought, and that is uh, several, oh, a couple of years ago now, I was giving a talk with our Secretary of Energy, and he made this statement that, there is no greater issue for America's security than our advancing our nuclear energy capabilities. He was not talking about nuclear weapons. He was talking about our peaceful nuclear innovation and advancement. And we can go in maybe at another time as to why it's so important and where we're falling short starting really in the early grades going up through college and preparing the workforce. These are great jobs, jobs have to be there. But I thank you all for your leadership. This, as I said in the beginning, how fast we advance, whether we beat the Russians and the Chinese or whether we cede the high ground to them is going to depend on our willingness and our leadership I'm confident in our leadership with, with uh, you two and others. And I think we have a great, clean, safe future with nuclear. 
Good, good idea. I appreciate that. We'll, we'll look into having that uh, another episode on that topic. Congressman Jeff Duncan from the great state of South Carolina. Mr. Bud Albright, President, CEO of the United States Nuclear Industry Council. I want to thank both of you for joining me today and showcasing nuclear energy as essential. It's a clean energy source that is safe, reliable, emissions free. And I look forward to continuing to work with both of you as we work to advance nuclear energy in the United States. Uh, thank you to all of our listeners for tuning in to an episode of A Voice for Rural America. And we will talk to you very soon on the next one. Thank you. Thanks, Dan. God bless you. Thank you.